unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today, man? Nathan, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I, I thoroughly enjoyed, for the people that don't know, we record two episodes at a time. And last week's episode, we just got done recording. And uh, man, I was blown away by the guest. And I'm, I'm looking forward to this next episode as well. So I'm going to hand it over to you because uh, you've, you over-delivered on the last one. And I'm, I'm uh, excited for this next one. Thanks. So uh, let me just start by telling you a little bit about my past. When I was but a wee lad, not even 40 years old yet, I worked in the Chicago News Bureau of McGraw-Hill as a correspondent for a number of niche business publications. And one of my most important clients that I wrote for was Engineering News Record, or ENR. Now, this was an interesting challenge since I was the kind of person who had trouble screwing a nut on a bolt, and I'd never taken an engineering course in my life. I had to get up to speed super fast on a whole range of things to write about concrete, rebar, shear forces, cantilevers, all kinds of technical construction stuff that was a complete mystery to me. I did it, and it really paid off. I became ENR's golden boy in the field at the time. This is 1984. And when the San Francisco bureau chief job for McGraw-Hill World News opened up, ENR lobbied to get me in it. And for the first time in 40 years, San Francisco McGraw-Hill World News's office had a new bureau chief, and that was me. Now, the reason I'm bragging about this is to put some focus on a skill I developed that helped me get through many trials by fire. And that would be each time I wrote an article for ENR. And the skill was becoming a subject matter expert in a hurry. And I've used this in copywriting, too. It's one reason I've done work in more than 100 different industries. Now, today, I'd like to share with you my step-by-step method for becoming an expert in a hurry. I'm going to share with you, rather, all my show notes on this episode on copywriterspodcast.com so you can print them out and use them, because there's a lot of meat here, but it is pretty simple, and I think it'll be useful. But that's not the only useful information on today's podcast. Here's something else. Copy is powerful, and you're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims, and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Now, I want to say that my ENR experience came in handy 30 years later in a way I never would have expected. That was when Kim Phelan, who was with GKIC at the time, asked me if I would do copy critiques for some of their members. It turned out that back in the day, Kim had worked for the Association of General Contractors, and they all read ENR. So we had something from our backgrounds in common, which is always a great thing when you're starting a new relationship. But just as important was the way I was able to transfer the skill of becoming a subject matter in a hurry to any niche. I've been doing this on autopilot for years, but I decided to 
slow down, think about it, lay out all the steps on the table, and share them with you today. This is important because it gives you a comfort level in a new niche, a little more confidence, and it provides you a roadmap on where to go for the rest of your research. So there are five things you need to become familiar with to become a subject matter expert in a hurry. And I'm calling them bricks um, because together they form a little structure you can operate from. So I guess I did learn something about construction from ENR after all. Before I jump in, Nathan, you want to say anything or ask anything? Or I did. I, I just want to say, if you're a copywriter and you write in just one niche, this probably isn't that big of a deal for you having to become an expert immediately in a subject. But I tend to write, I usually write for info products and I usually write a very similar style. So I'll write Facebook ads that lead to an opt-in page that leads into an upsell page that leads to a sales page. So my niche is more of a pattern of things that I write rather than a particular industry. So I write the same type of content, but for, and usually for the same industry, but info products sell to all different types of needs. So even though I'm writing for a specific niche, I'm usually having to quickly become an expert in different aspects of that same niche. So for copywriters like me that aren't just exclusively writing for the health, health industry or exclusively writing for finance, um, this is something that is probably one of the most invaluable tools that we can have. Cool. And we haven't talked about this before. So um, you know, feel free to ask the questions everyone else might have on their mind as we move through it. Um, because this is for you. And um, for me, I still use it and it's for everyone else listening. So thanks for that. All right. So again, I'm calling them bricks. And the first brick is mindset. You need to become familiar with the niche's mindset. Now, what is a mindset? A mindset is a way the market looks at things, the niche looks at things. When you're writing for a niche or a specific product, the first thing you need to accept is they may not look at things the way you do or the way a lot of other people do. And your job is not to change that as a copywriter. Your job is to find out how they look at it. So I found that as I was thinking here, I found for this show, um, I have three clients, three different clients with different keto products, ketogenic diet. And it's very popular right now. And I've done at least six critiques of letters over the last few months. And so I'm going to give you a little example of each brick in keto um, because it's not disclosing any one client's product. Um, they're, they're all a little different and yet they all have the same mindset. And here's the keto mindset. The keto mindset is you can lose weight by eating this way, by balancing healthy fats and proteins with a small amount of good carbohydrates. Uh, with the right information and consistent action, you will succeed. With the wrong foods or the wrong foods and the wrong, the right foods and the wrong ratios, you won't succeed. It's possible to do, to succeed with keto, but you have to understand exactly how to do it and then do it exactly that way. Okay, so that's the keto mindset. You might agree with it, you might disagree with it, but if you're going to be writing for the keto niche, you better understand it and write within that mindset. Now. How do you determine the mindset of a niche? Well, I'll give you a starting point, and I think this will be really helpful. Here are some questions 
to ask and to actually write out the answers as clearly as you can. And here are the ones just for brick number one, mindset. What are they trying to accomplish? People in the niche. What supports them in accomplishing that? And what keeps them from accomplishing that? And answering these questions helps you rapidly draw a rough outline of their world. Every niche has a mental or imaginary world that they exist in, and those three questions will help. So second brick is bias. Now, possibly the only source of unbiased information in the United States is the Weather Channel, which boasts on, on you know, the little lower third of the TV screen that is the most trusted news channel on TV. And that's only because there's no constituency for bad weather. In other words, when it comes to weather, nearly everyone has the same bias. So they pretend they're not biased. Okay. But the fact is, everyone is biased. It's just human nature. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is a bad thing when a copywriter doesn't understand the bias of the market they're writing for. Let me repeat that because I think it's a key point. It's not necessarily a bad thing to be biased, but it is a bad thing when a copywriter doesn't understand the bias of the market they're writing for. Understanding it is an important part of becoming an expert in a hurry. Let's talk about keto and the keto bias. Okay. Keto is biased against the traditional food pyramid advice that the U.S. Department of Agriculture put out in the 1950s or 60s, as well as keto is biased against a whole lot of diet approaches that do not emphasize maximum fats and minimum carbs. Keto is not a world where all diets are created equal, but this one might work better for you. It's more a world where the information you've been getting is wrong and could be dangerous to your health. Keto is a proven effective path to weight loss and overall health. That's the bias. Okay, so here's some questions to ask building this brick of bias. In this market, in this niche, what do people focus on as true and important? And what do they see as misleading or unimportant? And which people or groups do they see as for them? And who do they see as against them? I want to get into this idea a little more because people may be uncomfortable or uncertain here. Construction engineers, and these are two niches I've written for besides keto. Construction engineers with ENR and um, professional motivational speakers. So construction engineers see facts, data, and physics as important. Professional motivational speakers, who I've also worked for and written copy for, see feelings and experience as important. Now, both of those things are examples of bias, and both make sense for each group. And engineers have feelings and experience, and some motivational speakers. I I know one guy who is a fighter pilot, Danny Cox. He had um, uh, knowledge of physics, or he would not still be alive today, um, understood math and facts. But when they're doing their work for engineers, building skyscrapers would be disastrous if they focused mainly on their feelings and the feelings of the people in the building, didn't think about the math. Motivational speakers 
talking to civilian audiences would have a very short career, they'd be out of their mind to talk mainly about facts and data when their job is to inspire hope and give people an emotional roller coaster ride along the way. But both groups are entirely legitimate with their own biases in the greater scheme of things. Nathan, I have a feeling this is kicking up some feelings in you so <laughs> or some facts. So what's going on? I want to take a moment to point out how vitally important headlines are in copy. As you may already know, the strength of your headline accounts for up to 80 or even 90% of the effectiveness of your ad. Think about that. What if there were a way to shortcut the headline writing process and start a new headline based on a proven winner? Well, there is. It's all in my book called Advertising Headlines That Make You Rich. This book is available now on Amazon.com. Advertising Headlines That Make You Rich. What's unique about this book is it shows you exactly how to adapt a proven winner to your product or service because I show you 10 adaptations for each headline in different niches and explain the psychology of how to adapt a headline. Advertising headlines that make you rich in hard copy and Kindle formats on Amazon. Now, back to our show. This is very similar to one of the questions that I always ask any client when I take them on, which is what are their values and who are their villains? Mm -hmm. To know what you said, what do they focus on as true and important? That is a good idea of what their values are. And you definitely want to know what their values are. And then what do they see as misleading or unimportant? And which groups do they see for them? And which groups do they see against them? Um, knowing who they blame. If, if you're selling a diet product, knowing that they blame the high fructose corn syrup or the sugar industry, um, knowing who it is that they throw rocks at and being able to align yourself as an ally against that villain um, goes a long way in getting people to accept you as an ally, as somebody who's there to help them rather than as somebody who's trying to shove a product off on them. Yeah, great point. And I, I think you do a lot of these things. You've organized it your own way. We're going to get to villains a little later in the show, but um, that's great. Let's let's go to brick number three here. Um, and brick number three is jargon. So jargon is the special language of a niche or market or community. And people use it for at least two major reasons. To indicate that they are insiders instead of outsiders and a shorthand to save time. A lot of people trying to become experts in a hurry start out with jargon. And I think that's a mistake. It's better than not starting anywhere at all, but notice it's brick number three in our system that we're talking about today. You'll be so much better off if you have a working knowledge of the mindset and the bias, which we already talked about, before you dive into the jargon. Because for one thing, you'll sound more like you know what you're talking about when you use jargon. And here's an example, again, from the keto diet. Keto has special terms of its own. The one that stands out most in my mind is the keto flu, which is not a real flu as best I can tell, but it's the body's reaction to going into ketosis, which is part of the process of the keto diet, and it feels like the flu. Low-carb is another big term that they use instead of you know the technical low-carbohydrate. But low-carb is a lot faster to say. And there are some other biochemistry terms like MCTs, medium-chain triglycerides, and ketones. That's just a few of them. 
So here's some questions to ask to build this brick. First question is, what are the quote-unquote official words people use in this space? What are the slang words that people in this space use? And are there sayings and phrases that mean one thing everywhere else, but might mean something different in, in this space, like the keto flu? Normally, when you say you've got the flu, it's a particular virus that's, you know, got you having a fever and, um, you know, stuffy nose and you feel exhausted. Different here. Okay. So that's brick number three. Brick number four is the thought process. Can I ask you a question before we get into brick number four? Absolutely. Um, when it comes to using words that are insider words, what are, what are your thoughts on, because I've heard both advice. I've heard the advice to use these words because it helps you sound identifiable or, or relatable to the audience. Then I've also heard people say, don't use jargon because um, it might throw off new people who are reading because they're exploring and they're not, you don't want them having to leave the sales page to go look up, well, what is, what does the keto flu mean? So what are your thoughts on when and when not to use industry jargon? Yeah, that's a good question because like for the keto things, a lot of these are coming from cold traffic. I think it's important to use them, but to bear in mind what you said about new people and define them after you use them. Perfect. That's a great solution. Yeah, thanks. And it's a good question too. Um, I hadn't thought about that. I probably would if I were actually in, in a letter, but uh, anyway, um, brick number four. Description and definition of brick number four is its thought process. Here it is. Every market has an overriding thought process. This becomes easier to understand after you become an expert in a hurry a few times in different markets. But let me give you an idea. We're, we're not talking about becoming a neuroscience and putting scientists and putting probes in and having oscilloscopes. Uh, I'm just saying a simple description of the way they think. Golf. Golf's thought process is about improving the game by making each component more efficient. The driver, the ball, the swing, um, the putter, etc. Um, cop the the psyche. Um, copywriting's thought process is about improving numbers through better targeting of customers, messages, and offers. Financial information thought process is about unique, credible techniques to improve cash flow from investments or growth from investments. The more you can get a sense of your niche's overall thought process the better you'll be able to write for them. Let's talk about keto. Keto's thought process is basically everyone else is wrong and keto is the way to go for your diet. Keto doesn't work exactly the same for everyone, so you may need to make some minor adjustments. And keto is based on solid science and it's proven to work. Okay, so here's some questions to ask when you're building this brick. Is your market more like a detective? following clues and eliminating possibilities to come to conclusions? Or are they more like an inventor, more like a creative person trying out new ideas to find out which one works? Do they have an inclusive, everyone welcome, or an exclusive, only the best can do this mentality? That's important to know. Okay, brick number five is enemies, or as Nathan, as you put it, villains, right? Um, now, Let's get one thing clear. There are people in this world who would love there to be peace, love, and harmony everywhere. 
But even those people have enemies, and their enemies are the enemies of the people who want peace, love, and harmony are war, hatred, and discord. The reality of life on this planet is that everyone perceives enemies of some sort, real or imagined. Your job as a copywriter is to figure out who your market sees as their enemies. This can come in handy at a time when you're actually writing the copy, and it will certainly help you understand some of the things you hear and learn along the way as you do further research. So let's look at keto. Keto has many enemies. Processed food, traditional ways of eating, big agriculture because of all the grains and other carbohydrate-rich foods they produce, nutritionists who give advice contrary to keto, fast food, and sorry, the candy industry. <sighs> okay, so uh, those are just a few examples. Now, here are some questions to ask when you're building this brick. Who or what makes it easier for people in this world or on this path to succeed? Who makes it harder for people in this world on this path to succeed? Those people are the enemies. Now, who do the people in this world think is an enemy even if you don't? Okay, so that wraps up our little crash course on how to become a subject matter expert in a hurry. As a quick review, here are the five bricks. One, mindset. Two, bias. Three, jargon. Four, thought process. And five, enemies. I'm going to jump in and add one point to enemies. A lot of times, we're trying to get somebody to change something in their life. They know that they're dealing with a problem. They know that they need some sort of change. But if we attack them and we say, oh, you're fat because you have no self-control. Or if we attack them and say, you didn't get the job because you're a dummy and you didn't do the proper research before you went into the interview. If we do that, it's really hard to sell them. They go on the defense and they don't want to hear our solution. But if we can say, hey, it's not your fault. It's actually the corn industry's fault. Or it's actually your teacher's fault because they didn't teach you how to do the proper research before you went in for the job interview. If we can give them a villain or, or pick out a villain that they already blame and put the blame on them and say, yeah, you may have tried something, something in the past. You didn't fail because of something that's wrong with you. You failed because there was something wrong with the previous tool that you were using. And that villain is who's to blame for why it didn't work before or why you've not had the results you want. Then you move on to our solution is different because we're actually against that villain. We're not against you. We're not calling you fat and lazy. We're not calling you stupid and unprepared. We're saying that you got the raw end of the deal and we're here to give you a better deal. That makes it a lot easier for them to lower their defenses and trust you as a better solution. I, I agree. It's a really good point. And in a way, what you've just done is highlight the difference between the coaching industry, coaching, teaching, mentoring, training, you know, community, and copywriting. Because ultimately, a coach's job is to, and I think probably a therapist's job too, although I'm not a therapist and I don't play one on the internet, um, is to get a person to accept responsibility for themselves. And yet, if you put it in their face, especially in a very critical way, like you're talking about, you'll never get anywhere, whether it's in copy or in a, you know, a, a growth relationship like that. 
I think also a, a point I'd like to make is somehow gently either in the copy or in the product over time, you have to tell people that, yes, it's not your fault because you didn't have the right information because all these people were, you know, conspiring against you and so on. But now that you do, and now that you have the support, it is your responsibility to make the change. Absolutely. David, this has been a fantastic episode for um, getting up to speed on maybe a new niche or, or a new industry. And um, I know personally for me, uh, this is just an invaluable lesson. So thank you for bringing it to us. Oh, you're welcome. And and thanks for your for your input. I mean, you, you understand this well already, and um, it, it's good to hear your perspective on it. All right. So until next time, if people want to check out more episodes of this podcast, where should they go? They should go to copywriterspodcast.com. That's copywriterspodcast.com. You hear the rhythm of that? It's pretty cool. Copywriterspodcast.com. Awesome. David, thank you so much. And until next time, man, we'll catch you later. Okay. See you later. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.